Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Nordic Football Podcast. We're into season three, episode seven. I'm joined by my colleague, Steve Wiss, the Norwegian expert. How are you, Steve? I'm a fairly stiff, my old friend, actually. Um, I made my seasonal cricket debut uh, yesterday, so I'm rather feeling it today, you know. In a bit of pain there, and uh, well... Welcome to the show, Steve, and uh, my name is Jonathan Faduba, and I am the man for all things Sweden. Steve, we're going to go right into it this week. We're not even going to mess around at all. We're going straight into listeners' questions. We're going to mix things up this week. Uh, I'm going to start you off with a bit of a curveball by a friend of the pod, Neil Baxter. Uh, we're going to kick it off with some questions. This week's show, we're going to talk about the latest goings-on in Norway and Sweden. But we are also going to delve into a special round of fantasy football discussion uh, with the summer break coming up and um, both leagues uh, online rumbling on and quite nicely. We're going to have a little dedicated fantasy section. We're also going to talk about some transfer rumours and we're going to have a quick recap on the best players and the latest round of both leagues. Steve, we've got the summer break coming up at the moment, um, so we'll, we'll we'll touch on that in a minute. But I'm going to start you off with Neil Baxter's question. Uh, he says, have Rosenborg finally got into some form? And is it worth climbing on some of their assets early to get ahead of some others? Currently considering Akintola for my wild card, so thoughts would be great. Thanks, Steve. Let's start off this podcast with a little bit of fancy mm-hmm. discussion because we've had a lot of people messaging us, haven't we, about this? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yes. Uh, thank you very much for your question, Neil. Um, we've really had a lot of interest in fantasy football this year, especially in the elitist area, and I think it's growing in the Swedish fantasy as well. So uh, we, we thank all the uh, fantasy players who've been in regular contact with us. And it's a good question to kick things off because I can sort of tie this in with general footballing talk as well. Have Rosenborg finally got into some form? Well, they beat Mjerndal in 3-2 and they beat Bran away 1-0. I have to say, I didn't, I've not yet seen the game away at Bran, but from some of the tweets that we got yesterday, it sounds like they were very, very lucky and got away with one there, winning 1-0 away from home. I don't think um, Eric Hornland's going to care how he gets the point at the moment. Um, but neither victory was very convincing, especially the Mjerndal one at home. I do believe you watched that game, John, and I have to say it was. Um, I don't know how they did, how they beat a team, a, a very poor team, uh, three goals to two. I, yeah. I mean, you know, is it? Uh, they finally got into some form. No, not for me. Is it worth getting on their assets? Is a, is an entirely different question. But based on the last two games, um, there's still a lot, a lot of question marks about Rosenborg. Yeah, and this isn't really just a fantasy question, is it? It's a, it's a general question, I suppose. Um, the viewpoint from fantasy football is obviously, uh, I think Neil's asking there, should he sign some of the players to his fantasy team before they go on a good run? Looking at it uh, at the table at the moment, Steve, I mean, they are quite far behind in, in the race. And I did ask you this on the last show. Is there any way they can sort of um, still maybe win the title? You ruled them out. Have you seen anything to, to change your mind in the last few weeks or are you still firmly, firmly against them? The only thing I've seen is six points on the board from two games. And um, that's the only uh, positive aspect, really. I suppose, uh, you know, they've ground out a couple of victories. But it's not been very convincing. Had they, you know, thrashed a couple of teams and looked really, really good, then maybe I'd be thinking otherwise. But for for the most part, they're they're lacking creativity. Um, Even the three goals they scored against Mjerndal, and it was mostly due to mistakes from uh, the opposition defence. The problem with, with the fantasy players of Rosenborg, they started the season off very expensive because obviously they're expected to do very well. Like Nicholas Bentner is one of the most expensive players on the um, in the whole game. I mean, obviously the uh, elite Serian fantasy uh, uh, runners they can reduce the price of these players as the season goes on. You can't reduce a player that significantly because it would be unfair on the guys who've picked him in, in, in your team. So. I mean, the ones he's mentioned, uh, Akintola, Jensen, Bergen Melling. I would say of those, Bergen Melling is the one I would consider the most um, because Strusenborg haven't been too bad defensively, to be fair. They have kept uh, two or three clean sheets this year. And Melling 
has also played on the left wing sometimes. It seems like um, Horniland likes him on there, even though really he's, he's a left back, left midfielder at best. So if he's getting in advanced positions, there's more point scoring potential. So of the three players you mentioned there, I would say Melling. The positive of Mike Jensen is that he's the captain and he seems to be more motivated than most of the other players. But he's pretty expensive in comparison to the other playmakers in the league who score more goals and get more assists. So at this point in time, I, I, I can't really say jump on any of the RBK uh, bandwagon players. Okay, great. Thank you for that. And just to um, clarify for maybe some who might not be familiar, uh, David Akintola is a 23-year-old player at Rosenborg. Um, he's had good experience in the Obosli game with eight goals in 25, and his current record in the Elite Serien is 10 goals and six assists in 36 games. So maybe one to consider there for the, for the team, and in, in general as well, maybe he's going to go on a bit of a, a run of form. Let's move on. Um, you've suggested as well Berger Melling there as maybe one to look out for. Um, Steve, who are the players that um, in your fantasy team? I mean, I've looked at your team. You're doing pretty well. Uh, you're not quite at the top of the league, but uh, who are the players who have done well for you so far this season that you've been relying on? Yeah, I would say it comes down to three or four players that have done really well for me. Magnus Wolf Ikram, who I, I said him right at the start of the season in the uh, pre-season podcast, and I think only about 8% of people owned him back then. Uh, pretty, I've had him as my captain most weeks, and he, he is the highest scoring player in the whole game, I do believe. 81 points he's racked up. Sorry, 83 points even. Uh, he's now worth 11.9 million. Uh, he started the season at 11.4. Just seeing how many actually own him now. 48% of people own him. So he's pretty much been an essential part of your team because he um, he gets so many assists and goals and things like that. Uhi on my one foes got me a lot of goals as well. He should have had more. He's missed two penalties this year. And uh, a couple of unheralded sort of players. Uh, Amor Layuni at Buda Glimpse. Uh, he had a hat, four goal, three, a hat trick in one game he scored. And uh, goalkeeper Sean McDermott has been uh, as solid as I expected. So I would say those are the players that have done quite well for me. I've added Sturless and Bourbon uh, as well, who have uh, done well. But um, yeah, I've had uh, you know, a good run. Magnus wolf Eichram is in fact the top scoring player in the entire league by some distance as well, um, by 11 points. So you can see why so many, 50% of all players in, in the elitist Serian league in general have him in their team so that tells you a lot about his form um, just to be clear the second top scoring player is alexander stolas of haugesund third is oi oi of Mulder again and then a player that i've seen mentioned a lot actually in fantasy circles this season amor layuni uh who you seem to quite like don't you steve yeah he scored a hat-trick um against i think it was uh, lillestrom a few weeks ago and that would have got a fair chunk of his points. But he takes a lot of set pieces for uh, Buda Glimt and he gets an advanced position. So he's uh, a dual threat in a lot of ways. Just on the subject of Wolf uh, Eichram again, he, um, he's got 83 points. Only six other, sorry, only five other, uh, five other midfielders have scored more than 50 points. That is how, how far clear he's been of his other midfielders. So... I mean, who knows whether he can keep up this form for the rest of the season, but if you want to be up there right now, you simply had to have that player in your team right from, from day one, really, John. It's as simple as that. Good, and I think I might need to sort of consider him for my team because I'm quite near the bottom of the league in that uh, particular league. So, um, yeah, I may need, to, may need to address that one. I've got Oi and Ikram, but for some reason, uh, no Layuni. But uh, yeah, let's move on. Thanks for the question, Neil. And um, look forward to your comments as always on the pod. I'm enjoying your, your uh, polls, by the way. Um, Steve, let's move on to something slightly different now before we maybe delve into more fantasy football talk. There's a question from at Revis Oslo, who says, who are the most overrated players in the Elite Serian? And before, we answer, before you answer that question, give you a little bit of thinking time, just wanted to point out, I quite enjoyed... Uh, at Revy Oslo's blog there, uh, sorry, his uh, bio, which describes himself as an experienced stout drinker. So um, get yourself a stout, uh, Sylvester, and tune in for Steve's answers right now, I guess. Steve, what are your thoughts? 
yeah i saw this question and it's a really good one actually and it's um there's so many different opinions here i guess right now you'd have to look in in the rosenborg camp wouldn't you uh and probably no further than, than Nicholas Bentner, if I'm being brutally honest right now. I mean, compared to his reputation, I guess the question you could ask is, is, is Bentner even rated within Norway as much anymore? I mean, worldwide, he's obviously got his reputation there. So I would have to say Nicholas Bentner, to be honest, Paul andre Helland isn't really performing to the level that he can either. And he's a bit of a show pony um, who has a certain amount of tricks but it's the same sort of tricks and he's a good player don't get get me wrong but he hasn't been in very good form this year and another Rosenborg player uh, I'm sorry I'm not picking on Rosenborg here it's just they haven't been very good but the right back um, Hedenstad uh, he's just someone I've never rated even last year when they were doing well I just don't think he's a very good right back particularly um, compared to the reputation that he has so if I, those are the three players that spring to mind at this moment in time. Obviously, it can change a little bit, but um, yeah, looking at Rosenborg camp at the moment for overrated players. Okay, Rosenborg. I mean, that kind of makes sense as they're doing so badly this season. Uh, and just to recap, obviously, they're the um, well, the biggest club in Norway, probably by some distance. Many would would agree on that, I think. And they're currently really way way down in the league so yeah it's been a bad season for them and Nicholas Bentner uh, and they're currently 10 points off the top of the table so we shall see in 11th place we shall see how they get on um, Steve let's move on to another question um, and I think it's one that we had from a gentleman called Robert Carwardine isn't it and you were going to pose this one yeah this is a good one as well um where in the English football pyramid would the winners of the Arsenal and Elite Asterium finish? And what are your thoughts? Well, from a from a from a Norwegian point of view, um, oh, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I think the bottom end of the Championship, if um, if I'm being honest, uh, for the, for the better clubs like uh, Molde, um and if say Rosenborg were the Rosenborg of last season. I think the bottom end of the championship, maybe mid mid championship, potentially they could get as far as. But um, I mean, for some of the, the weaker teams, you know, it's probably more like League One, League One football, really. Maybe even a little bit below that. But um, that that is that is my estimation of it. It's difficult to compare leagues, isn't it? I don't know what your thoughts on here, John. I mean, yeah, we have this. Um... Funnily enough, I spoke to a coach recently about this and I, I really enjoy um, discussing the kind of different respective qualities of, of leagues. Um, you know, how do different leagues compare with each other? I was talking to a manager of a second division team in Norway, uh, sorry, assistant manager, and he was sort of saying that he felt it was in comparison with um, different leagues around Europe. He felt that um, the top end of the Norwegian league was probably roughly around the second division of, of Spain. Um, as a comparison, and then the third division of Spain was kind of like maybe like mid-table of the second division in Norway, which is a, an interesting comparison. I mean, we had an interesting comment from uh, Daniel Cobb, who was a regular listener, and he said that he felt that it was um, Malmo would be kind of in the in the championship, uh, in the playoff champ playoffs of the championship. The playoffs. Yeah, which I this was taken from a model uh, by a website called Five Thirty Eight. Who, um, who are kind of a statistical analysis uh, website. They do a lot of different things like polls for elections. I remember very much um, they got a lot of publicity around the American elections, um, for example. They do a lot of uh, forecasting percentages-wise. And I looked at their sort of league, and I'm not too sure, if I'm honest, if they would, Malmo would be in the championship playoffs. don't know what you think there, Steve. Could you imagine Uwe Ros Rosler? outsmarting Marcelo Bielsa. <laughs> uh, not really. I just think uh, you look at the top end of the end of the championship and there's quite a lot of money in there, isn't there now? That's where I would say that uh, that, that would be where I'd be quite dubious about Malmö. I mean, you know them better than me, but perhaps they could be mid-table championship area. Feels a little bit better, but then you compare it to some of the performances they have done in Europe and maybe there would be an argument to have them a little bit higher. 
Um, and you can't underestimate the experience of playing in European uh, matches, can you? So well, I had a little look at the 538 on the back of that recommendation, and um, they have a global soccer club rankings. And according to those rankings, um, they're actually quite far down the table, um, Malmo. They would be ranked 115th in the world, one place below Sassuolo of uh, Italy's Serie A, and one place above Beijing Guan. Um, they were also below Aston Villa, who were in 112th. So going on those ratings, I mean, they're, but then again, they're above Cardiff, who are 124th. Um, so take a look at that, 538. It's quite an interesting little look at their, their rankings. I, I personally think the top end of Olsvenskan is about mid-table championship. Uh, I think if you look at a player like Alexander Milosevic, who went to Nottingham Forest from Oikor, that's, that's a pretty good level of move, I think. I think if Pontus Janssen, for example, was to come back to uh, Sweden from Leeds, he would, he would go to like Malmö. Um, he would be at the top end. You know, AIK, any of those teams would take him. Um, he'd be a standout player in the league and he's kind of obviously top end of the championship. So you can look at it from that point of view, really. I think teams like AIK, Malmo, possibly EF Core this season, but I'm not even sure they would do too well in a 46-game season with such a, a thin squad. Um, I, I couldn't see them higher, much higher than sort of 10th in the championship, maybe challenging teams like West Brom or Middlesbrough. Um, Stoke, those kind of teams. I think it would be quite interesting, to be fair. I would like to see it happen. If there was a way of simulating it, maybe football manager. But uh, I'd say around there, that's probably my answer for that question. And the lower end, I would say you're looking at possibly League One. Um, the likes of ASES skills do now. Um, and funnily enough, this leads me to a different point, Steve, which is looking at the Super Etten, um, Bromma Poikina are actually uh, at bottom of the table. So they've gone from relegation in Olsvenskan to the bottom of uh, Super Etten. And this happens quite often. Uh, another team, for example, Gifley, were, were um, relegated from uh, Super Etten last season. And then they weren't too far off. You know, they were in Olsvenskan not too long ago. So there is a potential for teams going down twice, you know, and falling away. So, yeah, I think the bottom of the leagues is kind of roughly maybe League One level. Um, if anyone wants to disagree with that point, um, let me know. I mean, Molde were pretty far down, even further down than Malmo, weren't they, on that list, Steve? 163rd in the list, I think, uh, were uh, Molde um, down there, which is probably a little bit low. But I would say maybe 150, 140, 150 might be a little bit fairer. I mean, the bottom end um, of, of it's funny you mention like relegation, something I often see that in France, teams that go down from the Ligue 2 into the Ligue Nationale. Um, but the problem in that league is four out of 16 teams get relegated. So it's quite easy to, once you're on a downward spiral, uh, there can be there can be problems. Um, I mean, look at Sunderland, for example, in England, that happened with them, didn't it? So um, it's a harsh environment if you suddenly get a relegation. But, uh, you know, it's uh, OK. That's a good point, actually, just before you move on. Um, a team like Charlton, for example, who are in League One, how would Charlton do in Osvenskan? Uh, do you reckon? Lower end, mid-table? I think they'd be I think they'd be solid mid-table, to be honest. Mm. Um, there's one player, for example, Joe Rebo, who's linked with Spurs and, 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 you know, big teams, I think, even in the Bundesliga. He could hold his own in Osvenskan, in my opinion, no problem at all. Um, and you've got players there who have good experience. So, you know, that's a, a League One team. Uh, some of the teams, maybe Doncaster, and um, who got in the playoffs, and who else was in the playoffs? Portsmouth, you know, could they survive in Osvenskan? Probably, I think, probably just about. I don't think they'd have too many troubles. So, and they're a League One team. They've got much bigger, they'll have much bigger attendances than half the league, you know, so... It's a good comparison, really. It does interest me a lot, this 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 kind of um, debate. Yeah. But, uh, I think, yeah, between, uh, you know, there's no team in Osvenskan that would hold their own in the Premier League, I don't think. And I think the Chelsea-Malmo game showed that. So I, I asked you a question a couple of weeks ago on the pod, John, and I, I asked you which team were, from Gothenburg would finish higher, IFK or Hacken? And uh, the two faced off at the weekend in a derby match. And I do believe there was a dramatic conclusion to events. Um, what do you make of this game? Well, what a game. Um, I think this weekend we saw two of the best games of the season so far in Osvenskan, to be honest. Uh, Hammerby North Shopping, um, although there was no winner in that one. 
But uh, Hackney, of course, was fantastic. It was billed before the game as one of the biggest Gothenburg derbies for many years, which I think is a fair reflection, considering both teams are you know, in the upper, upper echelons of the table. Um, obviously, with EFCOR's revival this season, you know, second in the table now they are. Hacken, um one point behind them, although the defeat took them down to fifth now. Um, but yeah, there's still, you know, paper-thin line between the two of them. It was a pulsating game, uh, packed full house at uh, in Hissingen, uh, at the Bravado Arena, and uh, yeah, late winner. So it was a really, really brilliant game, Steve, to be honest. Yeah, a 96-minute winner, I do believe, from um, IFK. And, and the run just keeps going on and on and on, doesn't it? Their fans must be in absolute dreamland right now. And actually, revenge on last year because they had some very poor results against uh, Herken, didn't they? They did. They've lost um, their last two away games in that, in that in that fixture. So crossing the bridge, you know, it was a really big, big uh, atmosphere for the game. Um, and... I think the game was very, very good. I think Hacken were slightly unlucky, to be honest. I think there were some decisions that didn't go their way, uh, sending off of Ahmed Yassin. Uh, I thought it was maybe a 50-50 red. Um, he was sent off for an elbow, which was one of those. That, you know, was it intentional? Not sure. It was quite dangerous, but um, that was a bit a bit unlucky for them. And then, obviously, the, the the late sucker punch at the end. But I think they, they kind of played into that one, Hacken, with 10 men. Um, it was a catastrophe in terms of how they conceded that goal. And the other game you mentioned there was the uh, Hammerby against Norshipping uh, two-all draw. I saw you tweet this um, earlier in the night, actually. Uh, game of the season so far? Yeah, it was a very good game as well. Um, the It was a packed house, uh, I think. One of the big issues in Sweden at the moment is the, um, the issue with the fans. Uh, there's a big debate at the moment in terms of uh, the police cracking down on Swedish fans, and there is this is a, a talking point that will keep running on. Um, but yeah, this game in particular, I mean, it, that, that's more to do with pyrotechnics and kind of what is allowed in stadiums, and there's a big debate about that in Sweden at the moment. But this game, uh, it was in a, playing in a clean environment. Um, what I enjoyed about the game was just the atmosphere. Both sets of fans were really, really on it. Norshipping fans, they brought a lot of fans to Stockholm. Hammerby are always good uh, in their home stadium, always make a lot of noise. And it was a high-tempo game as well, I thought, and it, it swung from end to end. Um, Hammerby kind of looked like they might snatch it, um, took the lead through Kjartensen with a good finish, and then uh, it swung back towards Norshipping's way. They, uh, they scored a couple of goals, Neiman and... Uh, Jordan Larson, who got a goal and assist to continue his interesting form of late. But uh, it was that man, Tankovic, who's, who's one of the best players in Osvenskan at the moment, who grabbed a really, really good equaliser uh, with a 1-2 from Kiar Tansen. Just a high-quality game. I thought a lot of players stepped up. Um, Kosanu in maybe one of his last matches, Sandberg. There was a lot of good performances from both sides. And it was an important game because, although they're not both, neither of them are kind of at the top of the league, they needed to, it was like a test for both of them, you know, if there'd been a winner, it would have been really have stamped their authority on the other team. I think if North Shopping had been able to to win that game away, it would have relaunched their season, I think, because they've been slightly disappointing. And at one point, it did look like they would do it, but uh, they weren't able to. Hammer Beast stood firm, managed to get the draw. It doesn't help either team in terms of the table itself. Um, you know, both teams now are kind of sixth and eighth. But, uh, yeah, it was a good tussle. Hammerby are actually uh, not too far behind the uh, the race, even for the title, uh, on 19 points there. We've got Malmo at top on 24 points. We've got uh, IFK at the Borg on 21 and Jurgarten on 21 points. Going back to IFK again, and uh, I think I asked this most weeks about their, their, uh, their title credentials. But, uh, I mean, this particular game against uh, Hacken, um, what was the key to their success, would you say, over the 90 minutes? Well, it said a lot about both sides. We did a poll before the game, I think, on Twitter, asking who uh, we thought would win. And there was a few comments saying that many thought that EF Core would win. And I, I did say in last week's show that I had doubts in terms of maybe who would finish above who. Um, 
I think Hacken showed a bit of naivete, though. Like I say, I alluded to it earlier. The, the counter-attack to lose the game. I mean, Adam Anderson, what was he thinking? Um, Ten men, it's the 96th minute, I think. Um, you've got one minute left to get a point. You know, the team is sort of fading. Um, they hack and win a corner, and I think they just got a bit carried away, to be honest. Everyone charged up. Um, Anderson took a really, really poor corner. He was on as a substitute, the 22-year-old right back or left back. And um, the ball was headed straight back towards him in the corner. And instead of just keeping the ball and, do, you know, 96 minutes, Steve, against EF Core, who are probably the best counter-attacking side in the league this season, the last thing you want to be doing is giving them the ball for a counter-attack in the last minute. What does he do? Whips in across straight to an EF Core player. They go on the break, as they do, fantastically fast-breaking counter-attack. Uh, Kerry Ishvili to Vernerson, left-wing cross, Robin Soda, bang, 2-1. Good night, Vienna, 97th minute. It was um, a really great way to end the game, right in front of EF Corps fans who went berserk, uh, like fans going crazy. Um, a really good sort of Derby Day <laughs> late winner. Um, and yeah, it was a really, really good game, I think. Um, that was the key for me. I think Hacken did show a lot of glimpses. Um, I think it's a different game if Paulinho's there. They, they really missed him, I think, up front. Just just his presence and his ability. Um I thought they got control of the game for, for good spells. Uh, they, they boxed them in in the first half, EF Core, after the goal. Um, and I actually thought Hacken were looking like they were maybe a bit stronger. Um, there was one incident, for example, Kalisir, who uh, had to make a brilliant block to deny um, a cert, probably what was a certain goal from, from Selic just before half-time. Hacken were really sort of you know, starting to box them in. But uh, yeah, the red the red had an impact. I think that kind of woke up uh, EF Core, as did Jeremy F's equaliser. That kind of woke them up. Um, they started to attack a little bit more, but it, it looked like it was heading for a draw. Um, Negro and Kariish really had a couple of good chances, good saves from the keeper. But um, like I say, that sucker punch at the end, Steve, when you when you switch off against the counter attacking side, you're you're asking for trouble with that kind of hospital pass um, in the last minute that was played, and it was really really costly in the end. Well, I, I actually quite like the uh, Hacken attitude there. You play, you play to win the game. Uh, if they'd won that match, they'd have gone second in the table, and um, yeah, they lost. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you've got to go for it, though, haven't you? I, I like that um, attitude. To be honest with you, if you play for draws all the time, it gets you nowhere. You're better off winning games rather than racking up draws. Um, I mean, unless they were really, really under the cost, and it was obvious they were struggling big time, then. But yeah, praise the attitude there. I'm not against going for it, but if you're going to go for it, Steve, you can't you can't give the ball away um, in that sort of situation for a counter attack. It was it was uh, it cost them the game basically. You know, it was a poor poor ball straight to a, a midfielder, and they were right off on the counter within 15, 10, 15 seconds. Last kick of the match. Um, for me, if you're gonna if you're gonna, there's nothing wrong with going for it, but have a little bit of you know one or draw with 10 men is not a bad result against this EF core team at this stage of the season I think that defeat now down to fifth you know and they've got bragging rights now EF core that's that's bragging rights for at least another three four months yeah when you live by the sword you die by the sword I guess don't you so at the end of the day it didn't work out for them in this instance so they're gonna have to stew on it until um, the, the the return meeting so uh yeah I mean it did sound like some sort of uh Incredible game, incredible finish to the game there. And uh, it, it, let's move on to some of the questions. Um, we uh, were asked by uh, Ted, our man Ted. <laughs> the, legend, the man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, absolutely, legend. Um, who, by the way, I liked uh, the beard that he posted on um, on his Twitter feed the other day. He had a poll about his beard, about whether he should uh, cut it short or keep it long or whatever. But... Um, well, I keep advocating for a uh, listener of the month, don't I? And uh, Ted, Mr. Ted Cruz, eight my son, is is high on the list of uh, potential listener of the month. Transfer rumours that either of you think will happen is is question. And uh, this is an area. I mean, you're uh, often keeping tabs on the transfer rumours of the, the whole world, uh, John. But closer to home, Benjamin Negren. Uh, let's talk about him in, in the transfer. Uh, and Belgium has again come knocking, uh, hasn't it, uh, to an Arsvenskan uh, club? Yeah, and uh, I've been brewing a rant about this for quite a while. Um, uh, is it time for the rant now, Steve, do you think? Oh, I'm yeah. not sure. I mean, rant, go ahead. I mean, this is the place <laughs> to do it. 
this rant's been brewing in me for a while and I'm not happy about this, to be honest. I think it would be catastrophic for the league. Um, all right, there's market economics at force here. I mentioned it in our Scout blog about Negrin. I wrote a profile about him, uh, which you can check out on Scout's page or on our Naughty Football podcast uh, Twitter as well. Um, we've posted the link a few times. I've mentioned um, how good he is and how much potential he has, 17-year-old, but this is a concern for me, Steve, just with football in general, I think, and also with this league uh, and Nordic leagues in general too. 15 games he's played roughly now in the league, in his entire career, 15 games. Uh, it's a similar Kosnu, I mentioned it the other day, uh, him moving to to, um, to Club Rouge. Um, 15 games and you're about to leave for £5 million. Um, fee apparently is now agreed. Uh, everything's done between the two teams. EF Corn need money. Um, Genk have money and they're willing to pay it. Uh, so that looks like it's all done and dusted. It will secure EFCOR's financial future because they are in in debts. They 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 have they need money, um, not necessarily in debts, but they they do need a cash injection. Um, so this is really good for them. But I thought it was quite telling that there was a, a little mention in the post about it that said that it now is up to Negron to agree personal terms. And I think I look at it as a seventeen-year-old boy, and I think to myself, would he actually want to leave EFCOR right now? You play 15 games, you know, you're nowhere near well established in terms of that club yet, but you've got the potential to be, you know, the golden child of that club for many years, you know, at least one year or at least two years. You know, you can leave when you're 19 and still be, still you've still got 10 years ahead of you for your career. You know, 15 games and you're 17. I just, it doesn't sit right with me, Steve, I'll be honest. I think it's a worrying thing. Does he have to, you know, pulling him out of his environment? He's actually gone on record and said, I'm really happy at EFCOR. I love it here. Um, I've broken into the team. This is the team I, I came through the academy with, you know. And you, I, th- I get the sense that maybe he wants to stay. Um, I just think I just wonder about you know market forces in football. Sometimes are we in a world now where everything people want everything too quickly. Um, you know, we're a bit guilty of it as well. We've bigged him up, of course. We've talked about him. You know, I've been very excited about his potential, but you know. 15 games, is it really ready for him to move on? My worry with it, Steve, is he becomes maybe another case of a, a player who moves abroad. You know, he's not going to be the golden child of Genk. He's not going to be, he's just going to be another signing and at quite a cost. Is he going to, you know, get the same treatment, the same care? All right, football-wise, maybe he gets more development. But, um, you know, is there a risk that in a year's time he's back in EFCOR and kind of a bit of a busted flush? You know, it, it risks his reputation, I think. And I just wonder... Um, should things be more gradually done, Steve, in football in general? And is there a way of maybe making that so? Because it's just, I think for EF Core as well, it would be a real shame if they lost him at this stage. And I think for us as a as a podcast and as a league, and I'm going on a little bit here, but um, it would be a shame too. And the two things that I've got to mention here, I think um, what happened to the, the cases of where a club buys, say a big club buys someone and then loans him back, for what I call a really long-term loan, say a year and a half. You don't seem to hear of too many of those anymore, do you? It's obvious that the player would rather be in, in uh, Gothenburg um, for the foreseeable future. Um, there's no reason why he couldn't be loaned back at least for the rest of this season. Um, uh, the way you could protect these players is to bring in uh, a law where they, they, they cannot transfer abroad until they're, they're a higher age, perhaps. From a from a club anyway, that's that's a possibility. I think is it Brazil have something? I don't know the exact laws in down there, but I think there are some countries where you can't get your hands on these kids um, until quite a, an older age. You certainly can't get them while they're sixteen. I know that um, in some of them. I mean, there are laws in terms of uh, FIFA's regulations on transfers, um, dictated around eighteen-year-olds as well. There have to be certain reasons for transfers. Uh, but I think it's not only necessarily the fact that he's a under eighteen player. I think it's just it's just about football in, in general, in my opinion. You know, there's a situation in football where play like the market is dictated by the teams with the financial power, and I feel as if there's almost too much now of a whirlwind. We live in a social media age. We live in a in a sort of hype generation where we hype things up so much. And I think that that can kind of, I think sometimes you have to take a step back. I mean, this is not only a Spence Camp problem or a 
Nordic problem. You know, there's players in England who are 22 and have been written off as as, as failures. You know, um, I'll give you a good example of this. Marcus Rashford, for example, people are sort of saying he's he's not good enough now. He's, um, you know, he's. He, I've seen comments about him ridiculing him. The, the guy's 21. He has. He's actually scored more goals than Alan Shearer had at Alan Shearer's stage of his career. Um, and yet, in the eyes of some, Rashford is kind of like a, a flop. To me, it's just you know, there, there's that. It's almost as if we get bored of players now quickly. You know, there's there's too much of a that arc of a you know, people criticised Game of Thrones, didn't they, about the characters and how they didn't get enough time to to um to get that character arc to, to blossom as characters. And I think there's a similarity in football in a way. You know, there's not enough time for these players to kind of gener- um develop at their at their home clubs or at their current clubs without the level of judgment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree agree with that. There's not enough there's not enough time for these players to develop either in their own club or their own country. Yeah. Uh, in my opinion, there's no harm in staying in your own country even if it is a smaller nation until you're about 20 really. Um, you know, it, it works in the past for players, didn't it? It's the problem I'm look it's all a business, right? Genk they're not. I'm not even sure they will be thinking that Benjamin Negron is going to be a long-term player for them. You know what they're looking to do, to do? They're looking to make a profit on that player. They're looking to get like one or two good years out of him. Then someone comes in for, say, 15, 20 million. It's all about business, isn't it? And the reason that they want to get on these players early is because they fear other clubs snapping him up instead. Exactly. I mean, if you look at Genk, they've just won the league in Belgium. Who... who... Who is he going to replace in that team? I'll be honest, I haven't looked at their squad, so it's uh, maybe I'm being a bit premature here. Maybe they have a great place for him. But, you know, if you look at the history of Belgian players in Sweden, uh, sorry, Swedish players in Belgium who come back quite quickly, uh, Bujatore being a a great example of that, he was back within, you know, less than a year. Um, That's my worry about it, really. I just think, is there a pathway for Negren? The thing to bear in mind is he's he's a very, very good player. And I don't, think that there's anything wrong with that in the sense of obviously fair enough if, if they really have a pathway for him then fine but I think one of the other things about that hacking game Steve that I just want to point out before we move on is he was taken off after 75 minutes in that game uh he didn't actually really play that well he had one good chance a good shot but he wasn't really that great so if you really look at it you know he's still a kid growing into his own body into his own kind of um, environment you know he's still not an established first team player in my opinion you're not established till you've played at least three quarters of a season for me. Uh, so he's really not actually established in Osvenskan yet, let alone to say he's going to move on to a new league. Um, he wasn't good in that game compared to most of the other players. Uh, and it, interestingly enough, he's been left out of the Sweden under-21 squad. Uh, and the reason for it were given was that he needs some uh, needs a breather. He needs some time to relax and recuperate. And I thought that was quite telling as well. Um that hints to you that this is a player who hasn't really established himself. You know, he still needs a break. He's still finding his feet. So to be leaving the league already and whisked away just seems premature to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. And um, I think what, what a player like that needs with the next club he moves to, he needs a lot of playing time. Not like ridiculous amounts, but he needs significant number of minutes in order to develop. What's the point of being on the bench all the time? Or, or not even being in the match squad at a club like Genk. Genk, for fuck's sake. You know, it's uh, it's ridiculous. Anyway, so let's have a break now and uh, we'll talk about some other things afterwards. So Svenskan fantasy, probably a bit more fantasy talk in Norway as well and maybe some other issues that uh, are going on um, over there uh, in Norway. So we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba and uh, I'm joined by my co-host Steve Wiss. We're going to move on to some talk about Norway now and the goings-on in the latest round of action. Steve, there was a shock result in the Oslo derby, I believe. Yeah, and you know, you just had your rant and this is probably going to be my rant on this podcast and surprise, surprise, it's about Roaringer again. (laughs) I've ranted about them before and here I come again because they're a most bloody annoying side out there. You know, they look so good um, in recent weeks anyway. Um, 
and and suddenly they throw in an absolute stinker against uh, Lillis from at home. They're, they're bit, bitter rivals. And was that three nil? It was to Lillestrøm. Yeah, away from home, great victory for them. Yeah, I never saw this. I never saw this result coming in a million years. To be honest with you, I thought Valerenga would absolutely uh, well thrash them. To be honest, and they started well enough, but they just got ahead of themselves with with, with missing chances. Fitim Azimi. I mean, you talk about overrated players. He's right up there as well. He's an absolute waste of space up front. Absolute shit heap at the moment. Could not finish his dinner right now. Absolutely sick of him. I don't know why Ronnie Dyler continues to play him when there's other options on the bench like Bord Finner or even a couple of talented youngsters who could do a better job than him. And he, he actually got sent off in this game just to complete his misery. Couldn't score in a brothel right now, as he may have to say. Absolutely useless. All right, we get your point. We get the point. <laughs> useless. Um, but... The whole team seemed to be very slack mentally. It was as if they weren't taking Lillestrøm seriously. The goalkeeper made a, a, a stupid error early on, unbelievable error, actually, um, to, to, to let in the first goal. And from that point onwards, they were mentally rocked. And I've said it before, that this team doesn't have a strong enough backbone if they get their backs to the wall. You know, they're not the sort of team that can grind out a result. It's either they're brilliant or just shite, really. And, and it was the, the latter that... Um, you know, one bad. It was a bit like um, the goal. You remember the Leeds Derby playoff where the Leeds keeper uh, conceded that goal right on half time. It was the type of goal that was conceded that just rocked their minds, but they had no mental capacity to come back into it. Um, at the same time, I suppose I've got to give the from a lot of credit, and especially from a defensive point of view, they were quite solid. Salquist was especially good there, but. Um, yeah, an unbelievable result, and uh, I'd have to say I, I don't think anyone really saw this one coming. It just shows you that in a derby match, you know, the form book really can be thrown completely out the window because uh, this went completely against uh, what anyone would have expected. Yeah, I mean, we don't talk about Lillestrøm that often, to be fair. Uh, but they had a player who scored two goals, didn't they, up front? Um, a player by the name of is it Thomas Olsen, I believe? Yeah, Thomas Len Olsen, who... Uh, actually one of the highest scoring fantasy strikers he's not my sort of player i've got to be honest he's more of a target man type who he doesn't have he's not bad technically he's he's good enough it's just he has a knack of being in the right place at the right time but i don't really rate him that highly but he does get a few goals to, to be fair to him i think probably yeah the biggest part of his game is his brain really just allowing him to get drifts into right positions like i say but at the same time, you know, he wouldn't be the first name on my team sheet, uh, personally. But fair play to him, you know, he, he, he cleaned up twice. Real poacher, not fox-in-the-box type as such, but uh, delivered it. And, um, yeah, they, they, they won this game because they were, they were better tactically, they were better mentally. And, um, you say, they, they certainly got their little bit of luck with the first goal, the keeper mistake, but they capitalised on it. And you've got to give a team a lot of credit for that. Um I hadn't in another game. Uh, Mulder, their away woes continued, didn't they? Because they've lost to the bottom team in the league. Chumza. <laughs> well, this is really an unbelievably bizarre result. Um, what was the score? 2 1 to Trumsa. I mean, Mulder should have won this game, no doubt about it. They had enough chances. I think expected goals was 3.20 against 0.52. But Drumster scored after 35 seconds, I do believe, and then they went 2-0 up just after half-time. A pivotal point was uh, Drumster got reduced to 10 men and then they were given a penalty. Mulder got a penalty at about 51st minute and Ui Omoruanfo missed it. And it's another little bit of a rant coming from me now. I don't want to criticise Ui because he's scored a lot of goals this year and put in some great performances, but he has missed two penalties. And the way he's, I don't think he's a very good penalty taker. I think a lot of goalkeepers can read his action. And if you look at where he goes with the ball, he's always looking to strike it high into the net, often into the top left corner or top centre. He's not going to give you a little cute penenka or, you know, something into the bottom right or low. And he's quite choreographed, I think, at times. You can um, telegraph, sorry. You can see where he's going. So I think Mulder have got to seriously consider changing uh, to a different penalty taker. Someone's a bit more cuter. If you ask me, uh, it didn't cost him in the, uh, the first game he missed a penalty in. 
but it definitely cost them there because if they made it 2-1 with, uh, what, 35, 40 minutes left against 10 men, you would have expected them to at least draw the game. But they've had problems away from home. They've lost against Christiansen away, Buda Glimt away. Yeah, they're not travelling very well. It's a good job. They're absolutely brilliant at home, uh, John, I'll say that. Um, and they can probably get away with some of these defeats because of the rest of the competition this year. But uh, they won't want to make a habit of it. Um, yeah, that's, that's a worry for uh, anyone who owns Owe in their fantasy team, um, me being one of them, um, missing a couple of penalties there. Who would you have as your penalty team? Well, I, the Wolf, to be honest with you. He takes all other set pieces, doesn't he? So I would have him on there. Eric Ulland Anderson, when he's fit, he's, he's injured at the moment. When he's fit, he's definitely one who could take a penalty. And Mulder are full of good technical players um, who I'm sure who could uh, who could step up to the mark. But for me, Uwe, it's you know, it's about he's, he's going for sort of power, but at the same time, a weird sort of power. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm not don't want to knock the guy because you can't judge someone on penalties, but uh, I think they've really got to think about you know, replacing him because it will cost them in a really big game at some point this year. Interesting, yeah. I mean, moving on to Troms, just briefly, in, in the 538's global football rankings, they are number 546 in the world, just below Grenoble and one place above Maritzburg United of South Africa. Bizarrely enough, I don't understand this, but Bristol Rovers and Fleetwood Town are 20 places above them and somehow... Fleetwood Town and Bristol Rovers are ranked higher than Orcs there. Uh, and one place below Lillestrøm, funnily enough. But, um, Steve, on to Tromso. Just want to come back to Ted Cruz, ate my son's question there, because on the transfer rumour front, there is a big rumour about one of their players who was watched by uh, a Dutch side called Hirenveen, um, a big Eredivisie team, uh, this week. And that player is Espiord. Um What can you tell us about this player? Uh, Runar Espiord at uh, Tromso, and given that they're sort of 540th odd in, in the world rankings, are they a sort of team that might need to sell them? Uh, just going back to them rankings very quickly, yeah, I think Grenoble would spank all of those teams that, that we mentioned, yeah, silly to be honest. No idea why they're so low, but um, yeah, Runar Espiord is a player, yeah, I've always rated him, I've mentioned him on this podcast last year, he was one of my 10 to watch, but injury is an issue. Um, with this striker he's a good finisher i'll give him that that is the main thing to like about him what, what position is he just for those who don't mind uh, an out and out number nine striker right um uh, who is who's pretty good technically i wouldn't say he's a clinical finisher but he's a natural finisher uh, if you know what i mean um and he he's got good pace strength he's sort of average um positional uh, plays quite good he, he can get in there good all-round sort of striker, but to injury, he's a player that needs to be wrapped in cotton wool. He's never been able to, I don't play, play more than 20 matches in the whole season. Something always seems to strike up with him. So any team that buys him would have to realise that he is an injury risk. Um, he might not be a bad option, actually, to... I mentioned earlier, it's not very good to, to have a striker come in or a player come in and just sit on the bench all the time. Well, actually, he wouldn't maybe be a bad bench option for a team like Heerenveen or a bigger club. Come on and make an impact in the last uh, 20, 25 minutes of a match. It could be um, a good move for the club, for Heerenveen, uh, the buying club in that sense. The player himself, uh, yeah, it might not be the worst move either because he clearly can't last the whole year as a you know a 90 minute striker every week so um a good move there and trumps have made it publicly clear that they need the money they've needed money for the last three or four years full stop so they can't be turning down any offer in fact uh, some of the the recent sales were, were quite cheap i thought when they loaded off mikalinga brixen to um to Jotterborg. i think it was only like a hundred thousand which at that point i know he flopped there but uh that point I think it seemed ridiculously cheap so i do hope that they get a good price for him if he does end up being sold um but yeah, yeah and, uh, thanks for that steve yeah just to point out there that yeah here and directors i believe were at, at the game uh watching him uh spord he's number 17 in the uh, list of uh, fantasy football scorers in terms of points this season so far with 20 points only owned by 1.9 percent of uh, players but um 
yeah, looks like an interesting one there. Maybe that's a bit of a, of a coup for them, and Tromsø could get a bit of money in for them. How how are they doing in general since we interviewed their manager on a podcast? They've had a poor, had a poor season. To be brutally um, they've not uh, done very well at all. Uh, bottom of the table. I think there were three straight games where they took the lead and ended up losing matches. So um, I don't think anyone expected them to get anything against Molder. So to win that match is a big bonus. Uh, well done to Simo Valakari up there. Please for him. Please for the club and the players. That they're, they're a team I always said that I, uh, in the last podcast, I said I don't think they'll go down. Uh, just give them a bit of time. But I, I certainly expected um, um, the, the need the, the three weeks off before they found uh, some sort of results. So... Uh, Yes, right. Let's. We talked about uh, Norwegian fantasy a bit earlier, um, but now let's move on to the Svenskan fantasy. And there is a uh, obviously a Nordic football podcast league which we would like you to join. Give you the join code uh, in a minute. But uh, well, there's uh, in, in terms of the actual league itself, uh, there's uh, one player that's uh, been significantly higher. Than anyone else throughout the whole campaign, and that is a team called uh, Neeps versus Swedes. Six hundred and eighty points on the board. He's the thirteenth highest ranked player in the whole competition. That is including everyone uh, in that uh, in the whole uh, Svenskan fantasy, let alone the Nordic Football Podcast League. Um, in terms of players that have done very well uh, this year, John, uh, which ones would you say have been absolutely essential? Yeah, and just quickly on Neeps versus Swedes, he's the he's the mama of this of this league, isn't he? He's running away with it. I took a look look at his team, at, uh, in fact, just to see what he's doing, and he had the he's got a double game week captain this week of two Malmo players, and I think between them he's already racked up about fifty points. Um, he's re- obviously using his cards very well. Malmo beating AFC Eskilstuna five nil, uh, and they have another game coming up against Gif Sundsvall, so they you know you would expect them to rack up more points there. Malmo are doing really well. We've got an exclusive interview coming up in the next few weeks with um, someone at Malmo, which we will dig into and give you more details about in future episodes. But keep an eye out for that one if you're a Malmo supporter. Um, key players in, in the Osvenska uh, fantasy, well, I'm not sure I'm one to talk, to be honest, because I'm having a bit of a mare this season. I've, I've missed a couple of deadlines uh, for changing players, which has uh, set me back a little bit. But... Um, for me, it's difficult to look past the man, Mua Matankovic, at this moment in time. He's owned by 43% of the league, so, you know, he's not exactly on a hidden gem here. But um, 74 points, he's the top-scoring uh, midfielder in the league, doing really, really well this season. Um, I think you have to be careful, Steve, now when you're looking at fancy with the, the upcoming transfer window. We've got one more round left until the summer break, and I think that has to be... Kept in mind because we're going to have players like maybe Negrin, as we've mentioned just there. Tankovic might be another one who may be on the market. Um, and that's going to be something to think about. Uh, in terms of the top scoring players, I'll run through them very quickly. Top scoring goalkeeper is uh, Abrahamson of Bickelhaken, 56 points, only owned by 14% of teams. Daniel Sundgren, AIK, he's on p- penalties there and he's a defender. So 40% of teams have clocked onto him and he's returned 67 points for them. Um, a fairly hefty price of 7.2, but uh, still, he's doing the business. Tankovic, as I mentioned, top-scoring midfielder. And then in attack, this is an interesting one, Tarek El Yanusi, who's flown into the, into, the, into, the, you know, into the lead now, the 67 points. Uh, only owned by 18.3% of the league because of maybe his poor start to the campaign. Uh, Jeremy Yef of Bickelhaken scored against the EFCOR this weekend and he's second in that list with 23% ownership um, but El Yanusi is the main man at this moment in time Yeah, I was going to ask you about Jeremy Yef I might just call him Jeffrey um, He's a player that's caught my eye um, If you had to choose between him or Paulinho would you be going with Jeremy Yef? Do you mean in fancy terms? or just in fancy terms well, Jeremy F is 9.6 million and Paulino, I think, is well over 10. Yeah. So, um, if you look at the return in terms of points as well, it's a no-brainer, really. Um, both of them tend to start, you know, when when fit. Uh, Paulino has had a few injuries this season, so he's not played every game. 
Yermiev is one of those players who is a bit of a poacher. He's a bit of a kind of, I wouldn't go as far as sort of Harry Kane, but he's, you know, he's a, he, he does tend to sort of, you know, a good example was this Jotobog derby. Didn't really do a great deal, I didn't think, in that match, but came up with a, you know, clinical header, um, lost his man, and it was poor marking, in fact, but, you know, got his goal, um, got his points. Paulino is more of an all-rounder, really. He's he's the kind of player who, if you captain him on a certain week, and he, he could hit you a hat-trick. You know, he's, he's that kind of player. He's, he, he plays in bursts. Um, but he's a very, very costly player. So I think that's why I've swerved him, to be honest. I've got Bouyatoure, Negren and Kiartansen. But uh, I'm not really one to talk. I think Mr. Neeps v. Swedes might have to come on the show and talk about that. Yeah, I've had a bit of a poor run myself in this fantasy. Uh, my debut year, of course in the league so there were no high expectations but uh, my, my captain got sent off this week so <laughs> rather sums up my luck in the fantasy but you were mentioning about the transfer window would you suggest to players um in the second half of the season to save their wild card until after all the you know the transfer window is shut yeah certainly i think at this stage now with one game left it's probably worth it um if you look at the upcoming games, there's EF Core against Audubon, so you you know people might want to be looking at EF Core assets for the weekend home game. You know you'd expect them to win against a pretty poor Audubon side. Uh, AFC the Eskilstuna always tend to struggle at this. You know they're not having a good season really, are they? But they've got the cup final coming up, um, and in terms of the league, they're playing North Shopping. So you know maybe Jordan Larson, who He's a bit of a hit and miss player, but I think he has got good value at sort of seven, seven million there, um, fifty points. I think he's one to look at. Um, but yeah, I'm personally keeping my wild card. I'm going to look at it and reassess over the transfer window. But um, I think, like I say, Mr. Neats v. Swedes, and maybe I'm not one to talk at this moment in time. But certainly, Jordan Larson is appealing to me at this at this stage with fifty points um, and only fifteen percent ownership. And you can join the Nordic Football uh, Podcast, our Svenskan Fantasy League. Uh, the code needed to join is 21230-4097. I think we've got about 30-odd players in that league. Let's see if we can get over 50 by the end of the season. And the code to join the Elitisarian Fantasy League, 28465-8596. We've got a lot of players in that league. Thanks for your support there. So uh, keep the questions coming, guys. Uh, on fantasy and we'll do our best to to answer them but i think uh, that's pretty much it uh, for this uh, episode john i don't know if we've left any other questions although well, there was one other question that i did want to to answer uh, regarding sarpsborg um i'm trying to find it now but uh, i don't know if there's anything else interstate fc at interstate fc on twitter it says i've been rooting for sarpsborg this season should i prepare for relegation or glory um i think my answer is neither you're not going to get any glory, let's just say that, unless they win the Norwegian Cup. Um, and I just don't see them getting into any European spots either. So there's more chance of relegation, but realistically, a mediocre campaign where, uh, uh, you know, you sort of mid-table, maybe some form and results may well come back um, into that. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for your question at Interstate FC there. And uh, yeah, keep following Sarpsborg. They've only scored seven goals in in the entire campaign so far in nine games, which is only Starbeck have a worse record. So um, maybe not too much entertainment there in, in terms of in the Sarpsborg ranks. But uh, good question there, and thanks thanks for that interstate FC. Just remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Nordic Footpod, uh, and give us a like on Facebook too, Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, I think we're pretty much done for the show. One thing I wanted to quickly say on transfers and this goes back to the Benjamin Negron point just very very quickly and fantasy football too in fact Sead Haksabanovic who was in many people's fantasy football teams at the start of the season in Sweden has not played for the last six games in a row now Steve and I'm going to leave you with this one as maybe something to think about what was the value of his West Ham transfer when he transferred from Hamstad went to West Ham barely played was loaned out a few times is now back in Osvenskan and now hasn't played for six games running is that kind of what awaits Benjamin Evans' future? Uh, and it's a bit of a food for thought, really, there in general, isn't it? But, um, yeah, he's been ditched, and he's been ditched from my team and many others too. He started in my team as well. <laughs> the, uh, 
cursed Meatman soccer fantasy team. What was the transfer fee to West Ham? It was about three million pounds. Was it that much? It just shows. Yeah. Um, and it he can, was very, very good at Halstead, to be fair. But like I say, it was you know this was over three or four months. You can regress as a player, can't you? That's the problem mentally and physically. And uh, we do hope that it doesn't happen the same to Benjamin Negrin. Definitely not. Uh, I think that's all we have time for on this show. Uh, thanks to everyone who's who's um, offered your questions. I think we've had more questions on this pod than we've had for, for, for many, many weeks previous. So that's why we've gone for a bit of a question-led podcast today. Uh, we'll be back, of course, um, with some analysis up to and including the summer breaks. We'll be talking about some of the best players in the leagues and, and plenty more. Uh, but for now, I think that's all we have time for. And um, this is the point where we say goodbye. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, from me, Jonathan Faduba, and my colleague, Steve Wiss, at Meat Man Soccer. Thanks and goodbye.